This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. The fact that I get to learn so much about so many different things. It's a constant learning process being a representative. It's the final month of the 2018 Iowa Legislative Session. You know, the dome is golden, but under the gold, there is a lot of mold. And an unexpected leadership change altered the landscape. It happened so quickly, but, you know, that's the power of video, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way to deny this. There's no way to spin it. A legislative update, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. A week ago, March 16th, marked the second funnel deadline, limiting what bills can still become law this session. That means we're down to the final month, and while most attention is being paid to the next fiscal year's budget, there are some key social issues still on the table, as well as tax reform that determines how much revenue the state will have to spend in that next budget. But first things first, this past week saw lawmakers make hard choices due to revenue shortfalls in the current fiscal year. Representative Walt Rogers is a Republican from Cedar Falls. We spoke about it after the legislature adjourned for the week. So the big news, I think, of the week probably was deappropriation. Sure. Uh, give us a sense of what has made it through because we see $10 million and $25 million and $35 million. Those are all correct numbers, but you have to put something with it. So talk about what actually was done. And you've got three months left to make those cuts, right? Right. And a lot of them, you know, were discussed several months ago. So some of the apartments that they're, they're, the cuts are coming from anticipated this taking place. Uh, I think it's an overall cut of um, $28 million, I believe. Uh, cuts from uh, several different areas. The biggest thing of controversy, obviously, was uh, $11 million from Regents. The Senate and the House were, gosh, about $10 million apart uh, at the beginning of session. We kind of were stuck there for several several weeks. And to remind people, the Senate wanted to cut more than exactly. the House did, exactly. either in anticipation of the budget not being as good, not as healthy exactly. as it's turning out to be, or potentially to pay for tax reform. I've heard both motivations. Uh, you're exactly right. And they... Um, and really what ended up, ha ended up happening was we waited till the last March REC estimate, which gave us a better picture of what the revenue availability would be, uh, which was, a, you know, a decent number. We ended up with what, about $30 million more than we thought from the previous one. That being said, that still makes things very tight. And so we were not comfortable uh, with, with doing nothing, which some people were – promoting. Let, well, we don't need to do a deer probes anymore. But see, what that does is it makes it very tight. You know, a, a half a percentage point uh, changes the budget significantly. And you know, that just makes things uh, very tight in the sense that we have to be perfect in our estimate to make sure that we do not have to do it again. So we said, let's let's deapprope some. We ended up uh, doing having a compromise with the Senate and uh, we came up $2.8 million and they went down 6.2. So or 7.2, uh, and we felt that was a pretty good compromise. Now that came out of the regents' budgets again, and uh, and you know, quite frankly, that that is tough for the two specifically U of I and ISU. But I look at it at you know both of those entities have pretty hefty um, reserve funds of their own, 
So they, they're able to sustain those. And I was very happy to make sure that we got language in the deappropriations bill that you and I would not sustain any cut. There are some people probably down in Iowa City don't like that statement, but, uh, you know, uh, it's my job as, as being from Blackhawk County to make sure we try to protect you and I, and, and we did. The rationale for treating the University of Northern Iowa differently sure. when it comes to something like this, as opposed to Iowa or Iowa State, is what? 90% of UNI students are from Iowa. 92, 92% of UNI students stay in Iowa. Uh, a lot of times when we when, – when regents adjust their tuition, um, the out-of-state tuition usually uh, gets bumped up pretty significantly, and, that, and that's full-price tuition. The other two schools have uh, a lot higher percentage of out-of-state tuition. They're national schools. UNI is a regional school. So there's only 8, 8% of out-of-state tuition uh, students for UNI. So any type of a cut, they are not able to sustain uh, like the other two can, and they don't have the reserve funds that the other two can, and so and plus they are they are educating the Iowa student and the Iowa teachers uh, for the for the coming um, generation, and so um, you know it took me a while in my caucus to convince them of the difference of of you and I, uh, but we're finally at a place where we can do that, and and I think that's a pretty good rationale to uh, you know that's that's just I think smart budgeting. Uh, we're looking at all three regions as uh, schools that are taking care of our kids, educating our kids, but they're different. They have different budget concerns and different tuition concerns. Representative Walt Rogers is a Cedar Falls Republican. Lawmakers are still assessing how leadership changes in the Senate Republican caucus will affect what laws make it to Governor Kim Reynolds' desk in the next month. I spoke with Gazette political reporter James Lynch shortly after then-Senate Majority Leader Bill Dix resigned after video surfaced on a website of him kissing a female lobbyist in a Des Moines bar. Can you think of a situation, and you and I have each been around the political hallways for a while, can you think of a situation where someone took a fall from grace like this in literally less than four hours? No, no. And, and I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, is interesting about this, uh, Jeff, is that it happens so quickly. But, you know, that's the power of video, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way to deny this. There's no way to spin it. To, you know, it's everybody is seeing that video. And, yeah, I mean, there's like I said, there's no way to spin this into some innocent or uh, harmless, um, you know, scenario. It's it just the speed with which uh, from the time that was released to the time of his resignation uh, was, I mean, <laughs> in legislative terms that was that was lightning fast you know things move slowly here the juxtaposition of how long it takes to get anything done at the legislature and this is posted at the iowa starting line website at 10 in the morning by one in the afternoon he's uh, meeting with members of the caucus and the resignation is effective at two o'clock it's just staggering what's the mood after the initial shock passed because i presume no one saw this coming no one had heard rumblings about such a thing or or was this kind of in the in the wind i think it was a, a surprise to most people there have yeah. been some rumors that oh we knew about this before but most people were surprised by it some were shocked um and now uh you know i've heard senators say you know the the, the closed door meeting they had with dix monday afternoon there was a lot of anger um, you know, I've heard a lot of comments uh, about people saying something to the effect, look, we've all done stupid things, but 
and, and, and in some cases, people have said things much stronger than that. <laughs> James Lynch of the Gazette. Coming up, we'll hear from lawmakers with various levels of experience in the chamber about their impressions of the process these days, which arguably are among the most contentious from a partisan standpoint in recent times. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double-check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. John Jacobson is a first-year representative from Trainer, having won a special election last year to finish out a term. I asked him for his impressions as someone new on the scene. Jeff, I'll tell you, it's actually worse than I thought. You know, I came in as a reform-minded person, and uh, it's just appalling to me uh, the, you know, the dome is golden, but under the gold, there is a lot of mold. There is still a lack of, uh, common effort for the common good. Uh, this place doesn't need any more lobbyists or lawyers. It needs an exorcist, frankly. And, uh, looking at it, uh, from just a, a variety of, uh, uh, situations there, uh, we've just got some issues that, that need to be addressed. I think the climate here is such that uh, the lobbyists have way too much control, and the attitude here is how do we lord power over the people? How do we lord our authority over them while taking their money and while not caring what they think? It's really appalling. And, you know, I'm fighting for this four-month-old granddaughter of mine, and, uh, you know, I, I, I said to some friends the other night, the difference between her and a lobbyist is that uh, she now rolls over without being pushed by a lobbyist. And that um, the difference between her and a legislator is that uh, her uh, she's only full of uh, you-know-what when her diaper has not been changed, whereas it's 24-7 for some of the folks here. So we've got a lot of work to do here, Jeff. We have got to reconnect the people with their government, the administrative agencies here, wield incredible power, and I think to some extent the legislative branch has offloaded and abdicated a lot of oversight to runaway legislative agency bureaucrats. So it's an enormous amount of work, and and frankly, it's, uh, you know, Jeff, you know I've done community theater and played uh, George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life. 
I, I do feel a little bit like Jimmy Stewart in Frank Capra's and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, uh, except I came in that's actually worse than I thought. One of the things that has struck me is that whether we're talking about Washington or Des Moines, it doesn't seem to matter which party is in power. They simply take on a different tone once they get in power or have the majority. Is that something that you're sensing, that really it doesn't matter what party affiliation is attached, they're all being drug into the swamp? Yeah, I think part of it, that's a good observation. Uh, You know, uh, it looks like a nice uh, flat plain filled with sand, but really there is a a quicksand, uh, a a quagmire, a bog underneath there, and it's driven in large part by special interest groups, by lobbyists, by uh, an entrenched uh, legal bureaucracy here, and again, uh, these administrative agencies that that uh, all the work's been devolved on them, and unfortunately, so much of the discretion. And it, it's really concerning now that, that uh, you've got citizens afraid not to uh, play nice in every instance and are afraid to even go up against uh, an administrative agency for fear of, uh, you know, retribution or, or coercion or threats. I mean, my goodness, I've seen... Uh, uh, you know, mob protection racket movies from the 1920s that are almost reminiscent of the fear here there is to even, uh, you know, go go against an administrative agency that may be uh, overreaching. What has been the biggest surprise to you, other than the lobbyists and how entrenched that situation is, what's been the biggest surprise to you just about the day-to-day work, something perhaps that we on the outside would not appreciate? Uh, you, you know, there there are very, very good people here. Uh, these are the, the rank-and-file people that have come from out in the precincts and the wards and from their legislative districts. They're all fighting just, again, uh, you know, the swamps in D.C., but this is the bog. They're, they're fighting that. I don't find the pace to be daunting at all. What I find is there is not... Uh, a, a joy or a humor here. I, I, I think people need to find a little more lightness of being and a little more joy and a little more humor. I think that would uh, help in a lot of respects. Not everything has to be adversarial. Ashley Hinson is a second-year lawmaker from Marion, also serving in the Iowa House. As you started this session, year two of this term, how did you go about preparing differently than you did in the rookie year? I think, first of all, it just comes down to the process in the interim. That's not the experience you get as a candidate, obviously, working on policy during that time in between when we adjourn um, uh, in April and obviously when we gavel back in in January. So I had that eight months of the year to really focus in on some issues that I thought were important. And obviously that's something I didn't um, get a chance to do the first time around. So preparation and working with a lot of different um, agencies and groups over that eight month period. And then knowing the process and knowing what it takes to actually get a bill uh, filed, uh, drafted, filed, and then through the funnel process, which obviously is coming up here quickly. Um, that's something that I, I didn't know last year. Now I understand how that process works, and so it has made me a much more effective legislator this year than last because I understand the system better. And I imagine from a confidence level, having gone through it once leads you to have even more confidence in what you're able to bring to the table, seeing how your skill set and interests 
meshes with the other members of your caucus and the folks across the aisle. Absolutely. It's institutional knowledge, and I think some of that just comes with service and, and time here. And you learn those those nuances, so to speak. So you learn which members uh, have issues similar to yours, who will be a good um, ally for you in trying to message uh, what you want to get out, um, and then maybe someone you, you need to work on um, in terms of getting your message across and getting a bill that you support passed. So I think you're right. It is it is getting to know those little nuances and not just with other members but with departments as well that's something that we have to navigate and develop those relationships as well it's one thing for an individual to work full-time and have older children shall we say at home either in high school or college or be an empty nester and then serve in des moines you've got one about to start school you've got one in first grade that is quite a balancing act how does that all work for you how do you make that work so that you can fulfill your role at home with your role in the chamber and in the workplace. Yeah, well, and it is it is a challenge. I, I, I do have a part-time job on the side as well. I, I'm a media consultant with Frank Maggot and Associates in Marion. I have scaled back to about eight hours a week there, so I still work a lot of Fridays and a lot of weekends. And um, last night I worked till like 1130 uh, on, on stuff for that. Then um, family, obviously, incredibly important and really my number one on my my tier of priorities. And I think one thing I learned over last year is I really did need to do a better job of trying to communicate with my family. And it's a challenge with those young kids. They go to bed early. So oftentimes we're not done here um, at a reasonable time. And so I've really had to make it a priority to, hey, step out of where I'm at to have a conversation with my husband and my children and um, video chatting is an amazing thing so I'm able to sometimes even just see my kids which is just an awesome thing as a mom to see them and know they're happy and healthy and um, I made an effort as well to bring them down here a few times so that they would understand what mommy is doing um, in the legislature and so they know when I leave for the Capitol that I'll be back and I still love them and I will see them Thursday night and spend the entire weekend with them so what is the biggest thing that we who do not serve don't understand about what it takes to be a member of the Iowa legislature? I would say the biggest thing for me um, that I try to communicate to people is the process of what things go through here to actually become a law. Um, There is a lot of thought that goes into all of these issues that come forward. And as I said, there are many hours of meetings that happen in the interim. So while we go back to our jobs as citizen legislators, we go back to normal life um, in that interim you're still balancing basically a full-time job as a legislator as well. That doesn't stop when the legislative session adjourns. So um, I would say that just understand that we are also trying to to maintain our life as a a human being and a resident of our communities and our districts, but we're also still serving as your representative. So we are trying to continue that work-life balance um, and do our jobs in many ways. And um, so that can be a challenge, but I, I love the challenge, and I've figured out a way to make it work, and I'm excited to continue serving here. Let me ask you finally, most gratifying thing about your service as a member of the House? I would say the fact that I get to learn so much about so many different things. It's a constant learning process being a representative. You have all sorts of issues that you didn't necessarily even think you'd ever be a part of, and all of a sudden you're you're just, you're in school again, so to speak. You constantly are learning new things, and I find that to be incredibly gratifying. By contrast to Representatives Jacobson and Hinson, Democrat Bill Dotzler of Waterloo serves in the Iowa Senate with prior experience as a member of the Iowa House. I asked for his impressions on how things may have changed since he was a new member of the legislature. 
I think it's got more partisan. I mean, when I first got elected, I thought House Republicans were like the evil empire. And but I found out that they were willing to work with the minority party very fast. I understood that. And we had former legislators from our area like Willard Jenkins and Dennison, Clarence Hoffman, and you just go down the list and they were more willing to work. Now, today, in the Senate side, uh, Senator Dix was very uh, partisan on his ideas. Uh, if you had a bill, you just uh, the Democrat put up for for, uh, you know, for, for consideration, it got killed. And, and he even really uh, had a tight control on his caucus. And I had Republican senators come up to me and said, you know, you were right, but, you know, we got to stick with the party. And I think we need to spend more time in focusing on the needs of Iowans and the needs of Iowa and get away from this partisan side of stuff. And the elections have turned really so partisan and stretched the truth on both sides uh, to the point where the public does not really know who they're voting for. I think there is some positive changes there. Senator Whitfer certainly has the same philosophy as Senator Dix, uh, but some of the members came up and uh, they were they actually were happy to see a change in leadership. They weren't necessarily happy to see what happened to Senator Dix, but they I think they feel like they had uh, you know a better feeling about their caucus in some ways. And changes like this gives you a chance to step back and reflect on where you're going and maybe make an adjustment. We certainly agreed with the Senate, the House's uh, a view on most bills versus the Senate, and I think a lot of the House members on both sides kind of was glad to see a change in leadership. Senator Bill Dotzler is a Waterloo Democrat, and before that, Representative John Jacobson of Trainer and Representative Ashley Hinson of Marion, both Republicans. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more, iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.